Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Um, would have it like around 3 o'clock. We were able to find a, a luxury liner and they picked up the men at 4 o'clock. And at, let me tell you something. The men in Miami travel with like three-bedroom tents, Never heard of such a thing. Inflatable bedrooms. Uh, some guys were building efficiencies in their tents to rent out while they're there. I, it is very, very savvy. Um, but the entire bottom of that Greyhound of a huge bus was filled. And uh, one man took five pairs of shoes. We're not going to say who. We're not going to say who. But I don't know what he's planning on doing um, in a campsite with uh, five pairs of shoes. Um, but nonetheless, they were on their way, so I want to pray for them tonight. Um, I really want to, I'm going to ask Joey to come and help me pray for the men as they uh, embarked. Um, there's all sorts of characters on that bus. Uh, there's about 35 men that, that piled onto that bus, um, and uh, we, we have a we have one of the men who's part of the law enforcement. He's a police officer. I call him Rambo because he's part of one of the, one of the m most dangerous units in Dade County. And um, he decided that he wanted to be at that retreat with his son who's about pre he's prepared to go to the Marines. And this will be their last trip together for a while. And so he took his time out from the police department and, and he's on the bus. So we, we have good security. And, and uh, uh, I told... Everyone to behave or else they would see a little laser beam uh, on their forehead and he could just take people out if they, if they act up on the bus. And then I, I also gave him permission to use his taser because I think that's important. Um, if anybody is acting up on the bus and so, um, but there's very, there's a lot of orphans going on this trip. Um, uh, young men who don't have fathers. I think that that's the most powerful thing that's taking place. But uh, we thank God for the sacrifice, and uh, it is a long way off, uh, a good 20 hours on the bus uh, to get to Schulenburg. Nothing to compare with the camels in days of old, right? When you had to go across country and, and go find the, the provisions of the Lord. The other thing is that there was a man that I heard of that spent um, a good 36 days traveling, uh, trying to get a hitchhike to go across three countries that he might go to be part of a Christian event. And then so 36 days um, is a lot longer than 20 hours. But some people are thirsty for God. And I, I saw that in a lot of the men that, that are going on this trip. They, they want something from God. And, and I know that when you're thirsty for God, God quenches your thirst. And God is going to be there with them. It's going to be a spectacular thing. There was a miscommunication with regards to um, back in October of 2012, we had done a marriage conference uh, with Leo Gossage and Molly Gossage in Phoenix. And when we did our uh, part, when we, we participated in that conference, we had three couples uh, that were in our workshop come up and says, will you come to our church? Uh, it's called Mountain View. It's in Salt Lake City, Utah, and they asked us to do their annual marriage conference there the same weekend as this men's conference. So 
We can't be two places at once. I was telling uh, some family members of mine that, that one of the characteristics I most love about God is omnipresence. I don't have that gift. Um, so I can't be at two places at one time. But uh, we are going to be present in the same spirit with respect to the men that we sent to this retreat. I asked them to represent uh, our passion for Christ. Um, and I'm sure they're going to do that. And, and uh, they're going to be lifelong uh, connections that take place because there's people from all over the world that will be there at the men's retreat. At the same time, Yvette and I will be traveling to uh, uh, Salt Lake City on Friday morning and we'll be sharing Friday night, Saturday all day, Saturday night and Sunday morning uh, at, at Mountain View Christian Church with Pastor Kruger. Um, I, I was doing my radio station yesterday, the radio program, and the man who does our radio uh, program, he's the technician, uh, he says he takes out a whole month every year to go to Salt Lake City to minister to the Mormons. And that, that's his missionary field. He goes out there to win Mormons for the Lord. And he says, I'm very well aware of Mountain View Church. It's one of the, you know, it's a really nice big church in Salt Lake City. And... Um, it's going to be a powerful time. So I'm going to ask you to also to pray uh, for our trip on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, as we're busy serving the Lord, I, I hope that you guys are busy being faithful in this house. And that you uh, realize that your faithfulness here qualifies you for your faithfulness to be sent out, um, to be used of God. So let's ask, why don't we all stand and pray for the men that are on this trip. Uh, pray for the bus driver. His name is Edwin. There's going to be two bus drivers, so they could switch halfway through the, uh, so one doesn't fall asleep. Um, they're going to try to make uh, room uh, for the lapse of time they have, but uh, they should be getting to uh, their campgrounds tomorrow about 2 o'clock, 2.30 in the afternoon. Let's pray that God's mercy would be upon them and that God would uh, fulfill his purpose, which is to take them in blessing and return them in blessing. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just come before you tonight, God, as a corporate body, Lord, lifting up our men, the men yes, of this Jesus. church, O oh Lord, Father, as Jesus they have name. gathered together, O oh God, and the have uh, just taken them, some God. time out to search your goodness, O oh God, that you will be with the bus Jesus driver, name. Edwin, O oh Lord, and the other bus driver, God, that they will get to where they're going yes, safely, O oh Lord. We know that today's delay of that them, bus God. not Give showing up is your divine purpose and your time protecting our men, Father God, that you are a God of timing, and we just give you thanks and rest in that, O oh Lord. And we ask you that once these fatherless boys and these men get to that retreat, God, that you will pour your grace into their hearts, O oh Lord, that you will heal broken heart, hearts, O oh Lord, that you will just restore, Father God, these men, Lord, to where you want them to be so that they can change the world, Father, so they can fulfill the call that you have in these leaders' hearts and minds, O oh Lord. Be with them on their journey, Father God, throughout this week and weekend, O oh Lord. Bring them back renewed, restored with testimonies, O oh Lord, that they will just pour out their grace upon this church father and that we could just rejoice with what you're going to do through them oh lord bring them home safely and also father we pray for the pastor and his wife lord pastor joaquin and yvette that you will just as they are sent out to salt lake city this weekend oh lord that you will just use them father in a mighty way lord to minister to this city and to this state oh lord and that you will just bless them father as they just minister your word and what they minister to marriages and to families oh lord that you will be with 
them throughout this time and this week, oh Lord. Bring them home safely, Father, and also, Father, that there will just be hearts that are healed, marriages that are restored, families that are restored, Father God. Just use them, anoint them, Father God, a double portion of your anointing, Father, as they are sent out this weekend, Father. Bring them home safely as well, Father. And during that time that they are gone, that they will rest to know that we are going to take care of this house, oh Lord, that we will be faithful here at home, taking care of business here at home and being refreshed as well, Father. We give you thanks, Father, and we lift up these things in your mighty name, Father. Amen, amen and amen. 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 Thank you, Joe. Hallelujah. I wanted to show a, the project that we're trying to put together just so that you know and know, uh, so you can pray with us. Um, everything we're doing, we're doing with the, um, with the intensity of, of coming against the tide of wickedness. I don't know if you feel yourself at that level of participation. Um, your life represents uh, the presence of God to your family, to your neighbor, to your city. Um, as Abraham uh, was interceding for the city of Sodom and its judgment, uh, he began to tell the Lord, Lord, if there are uh, faithful, righteous men in that city, would you spare it? And the Lord says, yeah. If there is faithful men in that city, I won't bring. I'm going to read that real quickly in Genesis chapter 18. Um, and he begins to intercede for the city. Um, In verse 28, we're reading Genesis 18, 28. Suppose there were five less than 50 righteous. Would you destroy all that city for the lack of five? And so if I find there 45, I will not destroy it. And, and he went through the whole process of interceding for the city. We don't know what we represent being in a city, but the Lord is looking for not the the huge uh, floodgates of evil, he's looking for who is standing in the gap. Who's going to stand that he might not just uh, um, turn and walk away from a city? And, and I believe that as God is allowing us to walk, I, I want to show you um, this thing. It should be coming out in the next couple of days, but it's called SaveYourMarriage.org. Uh, it's going to be a, an interactive website for families to find rescue and to find a refuge. Um, there's, there's what it looks like. Um, and we'll see that first page as, as people read and they understand how is it that you save a marriage. Um, if you want to uh, get a migraine headache, you listen to somebody try to save a family that doesn't involve the mighty power of God. And, and they begin, I call it like the spaghetti doctrine. You don't know where you're starting. You know, spaghetti just weaves through everything. You don't know where it starts and where it ends. And you're going for a ride. But let me tell you something. The mighty hand of God saves. And, and even last night as uh, we were at the men's meeting and one of the men came up to me and says, listen, um, I've, I've been married for 25 years. My wife left me last year. Um, I said, the Lord wants to save your family. 
And he goes, I don't understand. Don't you get it? I'm divorced. She doesn't want to talk to me. She doesn't want to see me. And, and I just kept on telling him, God saves. God is able to rescue families that are in deep, dire straits. And so we, we want to, to pass that off onto you. Um, you'll see there, we, we have a section uh, at the bottom that will have a monthly, a monthly newsletter. I'll go ahead and scroll all the way to the bottom. Marriage 101, men and women, different articles on the side. And at the very bottom, um, we have the CYM or SYM, sorry, Save Your Marriage monthly newsletter um, to be able to organize, learn how to use these programs. Uh, the second one is Get Connected. There are people out there that want to save marriage and don't know how. They, they want to help the dilemma that's taking place in the world. And, and so we're, we want to connect with those people. Um, I was talking to one man this week. We went to go have lunch. And he says, look, you know how to save marriage. And I know people with a lot of money. So you do your part and I want to do my part. He goes, you know, he, he, he has very, a lot of many contacts in the major leagues, people who play major league baseball. And he says, they're already giving money to, to charitable organizations. I see what you're doing is powerful. You've helped me. Now I want to help you. And so we know that this thing is not about money. Um, we know that what God wants to do upon the earth, uh, it takes a lot more wisdom than it does gold and silver. And a lot of people have a lot of gold and silver, and they can't keep a family together. I talked to you guys about the founder of Oracle, which is a huge software company, um, fifth wealthiest man in the United States, and he, has, he just finished getting another divorce, divorce number four. And so he has no wherewithal. He could talk about a microprocessor and doing fast mechanism, but he cannot understand the dynamics of family and God has given us that blessing so we want to connect with people that want to connect and then there's a there's a section there that has a blog where people that are being helped and and, and connecting with us and 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 we want to hear their miracle stories uh, one of the things that encourages us to see the power of God working in other lives um, the second page is the uh, I'm telling you, we, we, we've been working at this for a week now. The second page talks about, about us. Who, who are the people that are working? You know who is us? Go to the about us section. The about us is you and I. We're not, we're not looking for other people. We're looking about you telling somebody how God has changed your life. And that you would turn around. So we have the, 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 the guys that participated in this year's marriage conference, the couples that spoke. Um, just, I, I, want to, I want to give you a visual in this respect. Um, the Bible talks about the parable of a rich man that falls into hell and he sees Lazarus, the poor man, in Abraham's bosom and he says, Father Abraham, have Lazarus dip his toe in a little bit of water and have that little drop of water come and quench my thirst. And that's how people are in this world. There are people that want just one little drop of what you have. And, and we have a fire hydrant, you know. We, we have huge provisions of refreshing in God's presence. So when you talk about who is going to address the needs of the world, you say, I am. Lord, send me. 
Let me have an opportunity to encourage somebody to um, follow the way of the Lord, to, to, uh, to move in that direction. And so the next page uh, that we have up there, we have the, um, is that the top 10? Top 10 reasons why people are, their marriages are being destroyed. There are people that they don't even understand that there are things, and, and even married people, it's almost like walking into a disease-stricken environment. If you pick up uh, illness in your marriage, it'll destroy it, just like when you pick a cold. And people say, well, I'm going to have a strong marriage forever. No, you're not. Not if you flirt with these issues. Not if you uh, allow just one seed. I, the example we give and, and, and the, why we give this example so that you give this example. And a man said, uh, Pastor, I have an issue with pornography. I, I, you know, I've let myself wander into that environment. And I said, listen, um, to do that is, is like the Eskimos in Alaska, how they, how they catch wolves. And he says, I don't understand. Well, the, the Eskimos, they paint a, a blade of steel, very sharp, and they just gloss it over with, with many layers of rabbit's blood. And they just, they'll just go ahead and paint that blade with rabbit, and then they'll go out to the middle of the, of the field, and they'll bury it with the blade very sharp on the top. They'll bury it three feet in the snow. And, and the wolf will come by in the heat of the night, uh, starving to death, being attracted by that which seduces his appetite. And he'll go over and, and he'll smell the rabbit's blood from miles away and he'll start digging to go find what he thinks is a dead rabbit. And he'll begin to lick that blood until the blade cuts his tongue. And he doesn't even know, it's so sharp, he doesn't even know his tongue is cut and he continues to bleed to death and he's drinking his own blood. And that's how men do with pornography. As they, as they go off into the direction of an appetite that is not what God wants for them, they destroy their lives. And so we want men to understand that the devil's out to devour them, that, that marriage um, can suffer these 10 aspects. And so they'll be able to read. And then there's a link at the bottom of each little paragraph. There's a link to powerhouse ministries all over the world that are strong for marriage and for family, and they'll be able to go there and get huge amounts of help um, because this, this is why God has given us all these graces and all these abilities and all these testimonies. So the next one, um, what is the next one? Oh, the test. A lot of people think if they're going through problems, it, it means time to quit. Does anybody know people like that? Oh, I'm going through problems. I'm, I'm going to quit school. You don't quit school because it's hard. Uh, I always remember David Palma when he came to me. Uh, he says, uh, one of the brothers here at the church, he says, Pastor, um, I could either become a bank teller and specialize in currencies and forgeries, or I can go to medical school and become a doctor. And I said, yeah, and, and I think that sounds good. Go, go become a doctor. He goes, yeah, but it's hard. <laughs> I go, uh Duh. Just because it's hard doesn't mean you don't do it. 
When it's hard, you guess what? You get ready to do it well, and you go forward. So a lot of people with trials and messes in their life, we say turn your, tri- your test into a testimony, your mess into a message, your trial into triumph, your, your victim mentality into becoming victorious. Overcome the hardships in your life and encourage people that uh, in the worst of times, they become the best of times. And I always tell people, you can allow things to be a stumbling stone. You can fall over and just sit there and, and cry forever. Or you allow it to be a stepping stone. You says, you know something? I'm going to go in the direction and do this better. I'm going to perfect. Um, and only Christians have that mindset as we understand that all things work together for good. That it doesn't matter what's going on in our life. There's a purpose behind it. And we're pressing forward. Um, the next one. Uh, so there's different uh, categories there. The next one is the Live, Love, Laugh conference. Uh, people that want to hold a conference in their church, in their city, uh, in their outreach. There's people like we're going this weekend to Salt Lake City. And uh, our experience, it doesn't matter if there's one person or if there's 10,000. Last September, we, we preached to 16,000 people. We were there for two weeks in five cities and, uh, and we poured out. And, and there are cities and there are places that desire to receive from the Lord the provisions. We want to make it a, a super attractive um, and colorful. And it says there that Barnum and Bailey Circus, the greatest show on earth, doesn't bring in the joy and the excitement for families that God does. That we will bring in the stuff. We'll bring the best and the brightest to be able to help the cities come together and heal the issue with family. Um, I want to tell you something just so that you understand. Um, the gay community, a homosexual community, um, I've sat for the last five years having serious confrontation. They come out and they say like this, you have no right to tell us how to live when you guys don't do marriage right. How dare you point a finger of us doing something that you say is inappropriate when you don't do what you're supposed to do appropriately? And you know who they are? They said, we are the sons of you guys who say that you want us to do what you can't do. You guys understand what I'm saying? And so if we can ever be able to stand up and say this is the right way, we're going to have to do what God has called us to do. Because uh, as we went into Peru, we, we got a huge entourage of the gay and lesbian community. And they came out with their signs to picket us. And they did a huge, um, and, and I told the guys inside, I'm going to go out there and talk to them. Because they don't understand what we're doing here. And they think we're against them. And we're not against them. We're in favor of family. And so I went outside, and the cameras were like, well, there's going to be a fist fight. There's going to be a... And I said, listen, um, we're promoting family. And you guys have family. You have brothers and sisters, un- uncles and aunts. You have moms and dads. Um, yeah, but we want to be gay. You could be whatever you want. God is not going to force you to do something. You could do whatever you want. We're promoting family. And you guys, I said, listen. I love you guys. And I started hugging them. And they're like, how? And hugged them, hugged them, hugged them, and they went home. 
they all went home. There's about 45. There was transvestites. There were cross-gender. There were men dressed as women. There were women dressed as men. And guess what? Um, you know, we're not walking like, like the disciples did with Jesus. They said, listen, these people are angry at us. We'll call a fire down from heaven and you just destroy them. And Jesus says, we're not of that spirit. We're not coming into this world to bring judgment. We're bringing the good news of salvation. God wants to save men from their sins and from their rebellion and from, uh, you know, the lies of the devil. Um, so a lot of those things take place. So this stuff stands up to be able, again, I'm going to say this, uh, heterosexual men and women that are married that do not perfect the maturity of marriage they're the greatest excuse to never. I don't know if you grew up in a house with mom and dad hating each other. I did. And if, if Jesus Christ hadn't come into our family, I would never want to get married either. Who wants to go into that demon-possessed region? But now the fact that Jesus saves and he heals and he restores and he prepares for us to be able to do marriage right and do family right, that to me is greatest joy. Last night I was talking to my son during dinner and, and he's going to be going to some competitions to preach. And I said, what are you going to be sharing on? He says, I'm going to tell people that they should want to live the good life. And I said, what is that? And he goes, what well, we're living. 18 years old, he just turned. And he wants to share what is real. What, what he's lived. The peace and the joy of doing things like God wants us to do them. So that's what these things are all about. And, and there's, there's tons of people out there that don't, haven't seen it and don't understand it. The next one, uh, the next tab is just a video gallery. We're going to try and put, you know, the, again, uh, footage and videos that have a message, like we, we saw a couple weeks ago, the knock-knock message with this guy who gets abandoned from his father at the age of three and how he rises up in the spirit of father uh, to change the world and to, to make a difference, even though he went through hardship. People need to hear these guys. Uh, the next one um, is uh, contact. And then I put something there at the end. We're just going to keep on adding to it. It's going to be super interactive. Uh, there, the people could contact us, see where the church is, come out to uh, be a part of what's taking place here. Um, and then the last one is laugh. Uh, we made it a little bit funny. We have an episode there. It says laughter is the best medicine. A joyful heart um, becomes healing. And, and sadness and depression, that, that devil strips marriages apart. Instead of celebrating each other, man, um, I had one woman come in last week, and she's so angry at her husband. I said, listen to me. I'll show you 40 women right outside this door, outside my office, that would love to have your husband. <laughs> you better start celebrating the man, because if he works and brings in money, and he wants to live with you and raise your children, I think he's worth, the, he's a keeper. There are men that don't want to work, don't want to come home, don't want to be with children. We need to celebrate what we have. Because we'll have the tendency to criticize everybody and their mother and destroy the greatest of everything. I so let me put that, that page in there with regards to laughter. And it says that couples that laugh together, couples that make each other laugh are more likely to go through hard times together. And then it says, he who's married must learn how he might please his wife. 
You're in that relationship to celebrate and please one another. We need to be, and you know something, we become so hypocritical with everybody that we don't know. Ah, I, and with, our, with the people we do know, we're so angry, we're so bitter, we, we're so resentful. We're, we're, we have such a proximity of relationship. We're like, okay, since you have to stay with me, I'm going to treat you bad. That's a wrong attitude. And you might lose what you have because you don't take care of it. A glad heart makes a happy face. And we know that, right? But a broken heart crushes the spirit, deep wounds. And uh, so we have an, a little episode of Mr. Bean that he attends. If you press on that, press, press it on the middle. Um, the video footage will come on there. And Mr. Bean visits... a wedding ceremony, taking people back to the time that they committed to be, uh, you know, it's funny because Mr. Bean is, is acting up in the middle of that. But the whole wedding ceremony is going on and, and maybe it causes people to say, you know something, uh, we need to go back to what we promised each other, to love in sickness and in health, through problems, through good times, through bad times. Uh, he knocks down the groom. He takes his seat. It's really comical. Now, this will be coming up in the next couple of weeks. We've, we've, um, we're working really hard on... Please be seated. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we've come together today to witness the marriage of Daniel and Kate, to pray for God's blessing on them, to share their joy, and to celebrate their... He sat on the lady's hat. Marriage is a way of life made holy by God and blessed by the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ, celebrating with those at a wedding at Cana in Galilee. <laughs> Marriage is a sign of unity. hold <laughs> and honor. No one should enter into it lightly or selfishly, but reverently like, hurry up, hurry up. and responsibly. It All right, let's go ahead and, and also for um, the Bible series uh, that's going on on Sunday is the most seen, the most widespread audience in, um, in anything that has been viewed this year. Over 10 million people are, are, are being at home during this period of time um, to see the Bible series. Uh, my favorite episode I told some people was when King David offered to fight Goliath. Uh, it's funny because a lot of the actors have English ac accents he says, I'll do it. And uh, that was my favorite part. You know, to have men to say, you know something? Everybody's backing down and backing away. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a stand. I'm going to fight the battles of the Lord. I want to encourage you uh, to always have your Bibles with you. Second, First uh, Samuel 25, verse 28. The Bible has a promise there for those that will stand like David stood. And, and this, is, this also goes to this issue of saving families and saving marriages. Um, it says like this, 1 Samuel 25, 28, please forgive the trespass of your maidservant. This is Abigail. For the Lord will certainly make, wait, wait, the kids don't leave yet. We have one more thing. Uh, the Lord will certainly make a lasting, enduring house because my Lord, talking about David, fights the battles of the Lord. And evil is not found in you throughout all your days. You're battling 
what God wants you to fight. Um, and, and it gets intense. Um, we want to encourage you that, that that is part and parcel of having an enduring house through trials, enduring hardships, difficulties, setbacks. And why does it endure? Because you're fighting the Lord's battle, my friend. God is going to fight your battles. He's going to stand up. Um, just like the young man says, I'll do it. God is going to say, I'll do it. I, I, will, I will defend my people. Um, and so we're going we're gonna, to, we, we've taken advantage of this opportunity. And we've started putting together a commercial to be shown. Since so many people are, are being attracted to the Bible series, we, we started putting together uh, a commercial. I've never done a commercial uh, but the process is really powerful. It's almost like a 30-second piece of a movie. You know, imagine doing two hours. 30 seconds, 30 seconds t has taken so long. But we, uh, and you know, creativity is from the Lord. Um, last Sunday as I was waking up, I was like, Lord, this, wh what do you do in 30 seconds to send out a message to change the world, to save the family, to rescue marriages. What do you do if you only have 30 seconds? I'll tell you what you do. You open your ears real wide and listen to God. Don't, don't try to do anything else but to run to God. And um, I'm reminded of Golda Meir. Uh, she was a woman in Israel in the 1940s. Um, all the Arab countries in 1948 decided that they would join forces and all attack Israel at the same time because they decided they were going to open up that nation. They were gonna be, they're going to birth a nation in the circle in the Middle East amongst all uh, Arab countries. So they sent her to New York, to the United States, um, with $50. And they said, listen... If you don't bring back help from the United States, from the Jewish community, this is over and they're going to attack our city. So she came to the United States with $50 in her pocket. And uh, when she landed in New York, she says, where do Jewish people meet? And they said, well, look, in about a week, they're going to meet in Chicago. And there's going to be a group of about 10,000 men that come together for the National Association Gathering of Jewish Immigrants. And she went there and they said, look, we're only going to give you five minutes to speak. And she needed in five minutes to raise $10 million. How many could want to, want to try that? I'm going to say it again. At a Jewish gathering... Pick up $10 million with speaking five minutes. And she got up there and she spoke five minutes and they gave her $50 million. So listen, if you have a small amount of time, you better say something that means something. And you could only get that from who? From God. And, and that's a, a lot of times with our friends and with our family members, we don't have a long time to speak. We better say something that means something. About 10 years ago, 
I was worried about my cousin and the way he was leading his family. And I said, Lord, I want to take him a word from the Lord. And I call him up. And my family that hears me call them when I say I have a word from God start trembling. And he says, is it good or bad? I go, no, it's good. It's good. God says you better get inside a refuge. Because if you're playing the field, you're going to be wiped out. So you better get on the rock. And, and he has. He's moved in that direction. He put his kids in Christian school, and he started going to church. And, and so we don't have a lot of time to speak to our family and friends. When we speak, it better have substance. It better have something that, that they can move. So here it is. We only have 30 seconds to do a commercial. You know that, that just anything. How many? We've spent our whole life watching commercials. So we only have 30 seconds. And I said, Lord, lead us in the way we should go. So last Sunday, um, not, was it this Sunday? Was it this Sunday? Yeah, it was this Sunday. I mean, for, for me, last Sunday was a month ago. But this Sunday, as I woke up from bed, the Lord says, this is what you should do. And, and so he directed this commercial. Let's go ahead and watch this. This is not the commercial. This is a rough of what the commercial is going to look like. But you go ahead. Let's go and see it. Huh? Today, all we hear about are the many ways you can save on things. Like saving on gas. Or saving on your car payments. Or saving on your mortgage. But what about saving the most important asset of all? Your marriage, family, and your children's foundation. Say no to divorce. Call us now at 305-552-0049 or visit us at saveyourmarriage.org for a free starter kit. Man, I think I just went over the fence, right? That's a grand slam. And, and so the people are saying, well, Pastor, I want a starter kit. You're the starter kit. I'm going to send you that way. <laughs> and they called me. I said, yeah, we'll send you America and Carlos. They'll be at your house this afternoon. And when you knock on the door, they says, who are you guys? We're the starter kit. <laughs> Let's get started. Jules and Claudia and everyone. Manny and Simone. You guys knock on the door. They says, what are you guys doing here? We're the starter kit. And, and God has given us this grace. Amen. Let's go ahead and dismiss the children back to Sunday school. And um, I know some of you, that commercial was way too fast. You didn't get to see it. So we'll see it again. Not today. I've seen it like 20 times. I'm super excited about what God's going to do. Um, and, and that is our witness. And people are going to freak out. People are going to freak out. They're going to say, how dare you guys? I mean, I've heard about saving on car payments and mortgage, but how the heck do you save your marriage? How do you save your family? And so that's what God is teaching us. Um, and that's what we're going to give of what we have. Um, let's pray. Father, we give you thanks today for your goodness in our lives. We pray for your peace. And we pray that you continue to lead our steps and give us wisdom. And pray, Father God, that these things that seem to be impossible are your field of dreams coming true, Lord. You have decided to instruct a people that would listen to you to do great big feats to do those things which are impossible for man are possible for you. So fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your truth. Let us go deep in understanding your heart that we might know you and serve you and be your sons upon the earth. And Father, let this word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. I wanted to share tonight 
um, I, I think it's appropriate in this regard. The men uh, that have decided to pick up and leave and go uh, in the pursuit of God's provision for them, um, I would only fathom to think that, that there's a great group of women that have stayed behind. And I, I want to take advantage uh, to share this. Um, it's in, been in my heart since last year. And, and it has to do with this aspect of a calling of a woman. And, and uh, just like men are lost for purpose and identity, uh, many women feel confused as to their role here upon the earth. And in the same manner as men have been distracted and they're pursuing things that are far from God's purpose, women without knowing purpose are not going to achieve and fulfill their calling in God. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 26, we see that God um, begins this whole process of initiating the coming of a woman to the scene. And uh, just like women think that men are not a thought that comes from the Lord because they've uh, suffered so much under men, uh, a lot of men think that women were not God's idea uh, and could be part of some type of horrific devilish plan. But the Bible says real clearly uh, in Genesis chapter 2, um, verse 18, where God says, it's not good that man would be alone. Uh, as we read this for the first time 30 years ago, you come with a... Uh, a very lewd, carnal inclination to think, well, thank God that God created women because now we could have intimacy. We could have sex. And so that's how you read the Bible when you're carnal and you're a little bit demon-possessed and you have no clue what God is doing because the object of woman is not for uh, the sole purpose of sexual intimacy and, and sex, God says it's not good for man would be alone so that a lot of the different aspects that man faces as challenges upon the earth, uh, including the fulfilling of God's call and ministry, need to be undertaken by and together with this gift of God that he has given us called the perfect helper. I will make him a helper that will be ideal, comparable. He, he, it'll be for him. And so that is the initiation of the existence of woman. And so um, while a woman has been reduced to selling toothpaste in a bikini and selling a car at a car dealer in a bikini and she becomes the icon of sexuality for a lost man, a woman is a lot greater in her function uh, to achieve God's purpose for man's existence. And, and I want you to open up your heart and your life to understand that she is a co-heir of the grace. She's, she's to inherit together with man everything God has planned. This includes spiritual giftings and ministry. It includes the formation of a family, uh, parenting. It includes the management and stewardship, um, the being able to to assist the man in every area that God has called man. Uh, the blessings, the fruitfulness, the multiplication, the replenishing of the earth, and also the taking dominion. Uh, my favorite verse that shows how Christ's example for us um, 
is my example for my wife is come and sit on my throne where I sit. Come and take a place of authority where many women are not invited to that place. I believe that we're to follow Christ's example. And if he's inviting the bride to sit upon his throne in the book of Revelations, he says, come and sit upon my throne as my, I have sat upon my father's throne and rule the nations. I really believe that, that our wives need to share, uh, a woman needs to share in the authority that her husband has. And when a husband has no authority, the woman doesn't share in any authority. And so she becomes, the Bible says, a wise woman it adorns her husband as a crown of authority over his head. She is a crown uh, upon her husband. Um, and so we start hearing and understanding what God wants to do. And, and you say, Lord, I want to become a replica, uh, the full rendition of your purpose and not be governed by fear and uncertainty. So we start out knowing that Christ is the example um, for us unto all things. In John chapter 12, verse 28, um, Christ looks up to the heavens and he says these words. He says, Father, glorify your name. Bring your name at the greatest expression of glory. And from the heavens, uh, God responds. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have glorified it. And I will continue to do so, to glorify it again. I'm, I, you know... Um, that's what Jesus says he came to do on the earth. Nobody knew who God was. People had a lot of different ideas of who he was. In John chapter 17, uh, verse 4, he says these words, I have glorified thee on the earth. I finished the work you have given me to do. He was sent to the earth with a purpose, to be able to bring the, the existence and reality to God to huge levels of understanding. In fact, the Bible says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you understand me, you understand the Father. I only do that which the Father has called me to do. That was Jesus' concern throughout and so he, this is his prayer when he's about to leave the earth. He says these words. He says, um, in verse 1, he says, Jesus spoke the words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, your hour, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that your son might also glorify you. You have given him authority over all things that he should give eternal life to as many as you've given him. And then he says in verse 4, he says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Oh, now, Father, verse 5, glorify me together with you, with the glory which I had from before I was in the world. In verse 6, he says, I manifested your name. I showed every man that your name, those men that came across my life and you gave me out of this world. And so he continues to put his focus on the fact that he is finished. In verse 11, he says, I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. I come to you, Holy Father. Keep them through this name that, uh, whom you have given to me, that they may be one as we are one. Let us all be part of this game plan. 
And so um, you'll see that Jesus Christ was only revealing the heart of the Father. As he says, your name I have made great. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 18 so we can see that this is the character of God. And um, he says like this in Genesis 18 verse 18. He tells Abraham, Abraham get prepared for I will make of you a great nation. I will make sure that your name is known in all places. Since Abraham shall surely become a great nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. And God has a desire to to walk in bringing something that is insignificant. Uh, You you guys have to understand the history of Abraham's development. He doesn't have a, a historical greatness to his name. His father was an idol worshiper. His family was. And God grabbed his name and says, I'm going to make this name the greatest name upon the earth. And he becomes the father of nations. This is the heart of God. The capacity to make things great. And so in that course, um, the name of God is brought uh, upon the earth. Uh, In Acts chapter 4 verse 12, um, Jesus magnifies the name of God. God magnifies the name of Abraham. And and now he entrusts his name. He says, Jesus says, in my name, the demons will flee. In my name, you shall heal the sick. In my name, you shall take over the, the nations. And then this is what the men who follow Jesus said. There is no salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given unto men by which they might be saved. Just like Jesus glorified the name of the Father, now the church is called to glorify the name of Jesus. That's the gifting we have. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, the church was able to see that a name would be given to them above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow to his authority. Every knee shall recognize his office. Every knee shall bow. Uh, Those in heaven, those on the earth, and those under the earth. And the prominence of the name of Jesus is huge and highly exalted. In fact, the Bible says, if we raise the name of Jesus, all men will come to him. We have done a horrible job as people that call themselves Christians act worse than people in the world. Undermining the effect of a name is a curse. The Bible says, and I I was putting it down here, Proverbs chapter 5 verse 9 says, Do not draw near to a woman who is wicked, for she will take your honor. She will give your honor to others, and your years will belong to Satan. And that's talking about a wicked woman, a woman who has no capacity to be able to carry the name that's given to her. We see in Titus chapter 2 verse 4 where it says um, older women, those of you that are more experienced, that have been around for a longer time, teach, train, admonish the younger women to concern themselves about their husbands because this is what will pass down to their children. And so women don't know what that means. They think it's just being home and, and going through Uh, deprivation the Bible says the way to do it also verse 5 how do you be discreet 
be chaste. Create an environment at home. Let goodness flow from you, obedience to your husband, submission to authority, so that God will not be dishonored, so that the the word of God will not be blasphemed. So you see the dynamics of what God is calling women, and, and listen to me, the small, a lot of times we could only speak of the small degrees to which we're willing to go in that direction. And I want to tell you, if you run in that direction and you fulfill the call of God, you will be greatly praised as a woman. A woman that walks in the spirit of God in the direction that God is calling her begins to make definition of her husband. A woman who turns with attitudes of, he's a jerk, he's horrible. That is the prominence of his character in the community. If people... If wives do not respect their husbands, no man will be respected in the community. Ecclesiastes 7.26 says that a man, there's something more bitter than death, and it is a man who is given up to a foolish woman, to the snares of a woman who doesn't understand the, the purpose of God. It says, I find more bitter than death, the woman whose heart is a snare, whose hands are holding captive holding, there are fetters. He who begins to please God shall be delivered from such a woman. But those that are walking contrary to God, there's, a, there's captivity, there's a restraint in that regard. So God is calling us to huge scenarios. And women have been entrusted to the names of a husband, um, she takes on that as a garment. Uh, I talked to the man last night. I said, every time you dabble into pornography, that is the covering you're giving your wife. And it's shameful because now she's known as the wife of the pornographer. She's known as the wife of the deadbeat, of the lazy, of the man who doesn't walk in the character of Christ. It's very difficult for somebody to come from under that scenario. So women have decided, I'm not going to take on my husband's name because it's an embarrassment. It has no dignity. It has no honor. A woman's house is to honor and raise the banner, the name of her husband. And women have decided that they would raise every other name. I don't know if you've heard these names. Gucci, Ralph Lauren, Calvin Klein, Versace, Dior. These names have been made prominent by women. Those having the capacity to raise the legacy of their home and their children have decided to forego that and to walk into the marketplace. God's name, a husband's name, a child's name. Why does God concern himself with these matters? Because he says in Proverbs 22 verse 1 that you should choose a good name rather than great riches. The favor of God rather than silver and gold. What would have happened if we would have understood this from a young age? What would have happened if we understood the dynamics that what God is trying to preserve is the name that would come upon us, our household, and our children after us? And we have done a good job in trashing these names. Uh, Psalm 45, verse 16. It says, there comes a time in the life of a woman that she's no longer too 
promote her father's house. Instead of your father's shall be the time to promote your children. Instead of your father's house shall be the time to make and build great sons, whom I intend for them to be princes upon the earth. Well, how is this going to happen in verse 17? I will make the name of your husband to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, the people shall praise you forever and ever. To be able to have open doors, and I've, I've said it many times here at this church, that the first question they ask me everywhere I go to minister is, how's your wife doing? I'm like, forget her. Why do you, why do you care about what she's doing? How about what I'm doing? Because she's proof evident of who you are. She is the fullness and reflection of your character. The Bible says a woman is the glory of her husband. And so many men get upset at me when I say this. That the character that they do so well in disguising and hiding is there to be seen by all peoples and the countenance of his wife. We walked into Nicaragua about seven years ago. We met the only pastor in the whole village where we went to minister. And he was like, hallelujah, and praise the Lord, and thank God you guys came, and, and I'm a pastor here, and I'm saving souls, and I'm preaching. And, and all of a sudden, as we said, that night where there was going to be a service, and it was under a little hut, there was one little light bulb above the pulpit, and a bat kept on flying to get the bugs right there. And I, I was preaching, that bat was like, and all of a sudden, over there in the corner was this woman that you, you knew that she was going through severe depression, severe heartache. Right next to her were her daughters, and the daughters were doing the same. And so for six days, we were able to witness why this man only had four people in his church. And we talked to him on the last day. We said, brother, he says, I know you guys are from God. You guys don't play games. And I said, look, we need to sit down and talk with you. Because he goes, you have a word of the Lord for me. I said, yeah, we do. And so I said, bring your wife. And he says, today's my wife's birthday. And when he brought his wife, they had been married for 35 years. And we said, Pastor Mike, Miguel, you need to stop preaching the gospel. And he said, why? He says, because everything you're preaching, everybody knows it's a lie. Because they look at your wife's face. And that church is not ever going to take off the ground because you don't live truth. And I said, in 35 years you've been married. It was actually not her birthday. It was her anniversary. In 35 years you guys have been married. How many times have you bought her a dress? Never. How many times have you bought her flowers? Never. How many times have you bought her perfume? Never. If you don't know how to take care of your own wife, how are you going to take care of the bride of Christ? How are you going to take care of God's church? if you're not able to take care of your family. So we're, we have advice for you. You should stop preaching for a whole year to dedicate yourself to make your wife happy. And he said, I'll do it. And he gave in his church and he started ministering to his wife. The Bible says that this type of man is prepared then for Proverbs 31 verse 23. Proverbs 31 23 says, her husband is known at the gate. He's a man of prominence. He's a man of renown. Because of his treatment with his wife when he sits amongst the elders of the land. 
the most prominent of men. This is, this is the very reason why many men are intimidated about starting a relationship with a woman because she's going to reveal everything in his incapacity, in his inadequacy. The Bible says in Proverbs 31, 31, give her the fruits of her hands and allow that what she's been doing be the praise that she receives in the marketplace. And I'll tell you something that, that what is able to become of your husband and your children will be the fruit of a world-changing woman. That's her focus. In Job chapter 39, verse 13, the Bible says that a woman that lacks the wisdom is like an ostrich that is proud. With the wings extended, the ostrich waves proudly with her wings and her pinions and like the kindly stork, just showing off. And it says in verse 14 that while she's showing off her strength, her ability, her capacity, her, she leaves her eggs on the ground and warms them in the dust. She's not taking care of her offspring. She doesn't care that she's destroying her legacy. Verse 15, she's undermining and forgets that her strength and footing will crush them or that a wild beast might break them. Talking about her offspring again. How the devil sinisterly comes in to intimidate our children. She treats her young cruelly, verse 16. She has a disposition that is harsh. She doesn't care. Um, I was watching something that was sent by Maggie to me today, and in the interview, this woman had written a book called Lean In, talking to the woman, just keep on pressing hard in the direction of getting away from the home and the family. So the woman who writes this book, um, she tells her daughter, Uh, you know, people don't like me too much because I'm a self-assertive woman. And she drops off her child at daycare and rushes out there to the mainstream to show her strength. And and she tells her daughter, that's why people don't like me. Her daughter says, hey, mom, why don't you just stay home and get people to start liking you? Why, Why would you want to become something that is not beneficial. I'm not talking about a working woman today. I'm talking about women who will have wisdom to project the purpose of God. She treats her offspring cruel as if they were not even hers. Somebody was telling me that the greatest curse that took place, it was Ed Cole last night, he was talking about the greatest curse are a generation of men and women who have had children to put them in daycare for someone else to take care of them to develop their their heart, their concerns. She treats her young harsh as if they were not hers. Her work is in vain. It's temporal, without concern. She's not realizing what she's doing. Verse 17, because God has made her forget wisdom and God has not given her the share of understanding. When she lifts herself on high, she laughs at the horse and the rider. Is that what your Bible says right there? Verse 18, She lifts herself. Instead of allowing God to exalt her, God exalts the humble. She scorns the horse and the rider. The attitudes of a horse and a rider speak of one thing, submission, order. The being able to go in a direction, and this is the definition of meekness. It's power under restraint, under under humility. You can do a thousand million things. Doesn't mean you have to do them. I could do a million things, doesn't matter. Jesus says, I can call a 
legion of angels right now. It doesn't mean I'm going to do it. There's something called humility. There's something called I'm not going to go to the full measure of my ability. She scorns. She, mo- she mocks the horse and the rider, the attitudes. And the Bible says like this in verse 19, do you give the horse his might? Do you clothe his neck with a mane? Do you make him leap like locusts? His majestic snorting is terrible. He paws in the valley, rejoices in his strength. He goes out to meet the weapons. He has no fear. He has no, uh, he does not faint. He does not turn back from the sword, the quiver. Just because you're meek doesn't mean that you're a fool. Doesn't mean that you cannot rage the battles. And so in those um, examples, we have the different aspects of those women that are great and mighty and those that don't understand the Lord. Your father's house first trains you up to pass on a lineage to be able to honor your husband's name, to respect the significance and weight of what God wants to do. A woman says, I'm the one that in my house does everything. I do the the handyman work. I do the plumbing. I do the electricity. I cut the lawn. I said, lady, you're a glorious woman. That's your glory, but you haven't seen the glory of God yet. You haven't allowed God to show you his strength and his ability. In Isaiah chapter 4 verse 1, we've talked about this many times, is that the women in those days, it says there will be for every one man, there will be seven women. And they will say, we have our own food, we wear our own clothes, let us take on your name so that our shame could go away. You can't pass on your own name and have prominence in the purpose of God. Let's stand today and make a difference with the wisdom that God has poured out tonight as the greatest serial killer of all time was known as No Name Maddox. No Name Maddox. Charlie Manson, who didn't have identity and did not have legacy because his mom decided, I'm not going to walk in the order and in the desire of the Lord. The greatest curse upon the Bible, it says that if we not enter into the purpose of God, he says that your name will be erased from the Lamb's book of life. And that's virtually what happens in the life of a foolish woman as she erases the name of that which she's been given to um, hold out. We're not talking about flattery tonight. We're not talking about carnality. We're talking about wisdom. Your capacity to walk in the fear of God allows you to attain huge measure of incredible prosperity and blessing. I don't understand the fullness of what we shared here tonight, but I know for a fact that we didn't have this growing up. We didn't have this growing up. When we went to Columbia last year and we preached at a pastor's conference, the senior pastor's wife stood up in front of everybody and she says, I want to repent. And her husband began to weep, and I said, what happened here? And she says, for 26 years, I refused to take on my husband's name because I wanted to honor my dad. And I took on my dad's name and his legacy to hold it up while he was a drunkard and a womanizer, and he was a wicked sinner and evil man, and I refused to ever, ever be known as Sulema Gutierrez. Gutierrez being her husband's last name. She says, from this day forward, I understand my calling. My calling is to be able to serve my husband as I would serve the Lord. 
that I would be able to allow God to bring him into the prominence of his purpose because that will be the joy and the glory of my children. I'm not going to trample my children's last name. And the women who tug away from that to pursue their strength and their desire, absent the honor of God, just destroy the legacy of the next generation. In our family, we had many women that were so insecure of going with their husbands because they were drunkards or insecure or womanizers that a lot of these women would stay at home with their dad. And they never ventured out in faith and in strength to fulfill the purpose of God for their family. I understand that this calls for maturity. I understand that this calls for women who desire the will of God. Father, I give you thanks tonight for this word. I give you thanks that men are going to a men's conference and retreat, but you have left the women behind, and they needed to hear this, Lord, for men need a perfect helper to understand their certainty, their assurance of the call of God. And just as Abigail was able to tell David, God wants to give you an enduring house, that the women who heard this message tonight will also encourage their husbands to fight the battles of the Lord and to be encouraged by their wives to go in the direction of the call of God for their lives and not see those areas that are vulnerable to being sidestepped like Jezebel who who took the forefront of the fears and the uncertainties of Ahab, Lord, to take matters in their own hands, O God. We pray that your spirit would be upon us, that we would be a strong and mighty nations because we walk in the fear of God and in the commandments of our Lord. We pray, O God, that our children might see an example of a horse and a rider, of someone who is walking in submission, in honor, in service, and that that dynamic would make us strong for battle in the days to come, that your peace would be upon us and that this word would resound amongst your people, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Go ahead and, and greet one another in the love of the Lord. Continue to pray for, uh, for the men. Um, love on your wives. And I'll see you here on Sunday.